Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One, and as of next week, the Xbox Series X and S. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of November 5th, 2020, including a bunch of light news and stuff because it's kind of really a quiet news week right before the launch of the Xbox Series X and S. We go over our favorite third-party games of the Xbox One generation. Usually, I'll put in a third point here and more. guys just one week away from the launch of the new xbox consoles the series x and s it's hard to think that just a little over a year ago i was starting this podcast with a full understanding that well back then you know they were project names uh, lockhart and anaconda but back then you know i we knew full well the name of this podcast and the whole little gimmick of the whole xbox on thing would be quickly antiquated as We had new consoles on the horizon, and next week will be the week that these consoles officially make the naming convention and the whole catch of the show completely obsolete. So maybe this would be a good week to just end the show permanently altogether. What do you you think about that, you dumb idiots? We just end it here. This is the end of Xbox On, and maybe next week I'll start talking about PlayStation or something else just to... I don't know, just because it looks like this show has run its course. Speaking of things this show is not about, guys, I'd be remiss if I didn't, and apologies in advance, if I didn't address this. Obviously, I'm recording the show Wednesday night, as I do each and every week. And this is the Wednesday here in the U.S. after the presidential election. And so my apologies in advance. I know many of you have probably already rolled your eyes and turned off the podcast, but Please allow me three or four minutes and feel free to skip ahead if you if you don't want to hear it. I totally understand that. This show is not about politics. This show is about video games and only politically related when, you know, the, the video game related story has to do with politics. So I totally understand, but I, I'm not going to say what you what you might think I'm going to say. Don't don't get prepared for my my little libtard rant. That's not what I'm going to do here. I just feel obligated to say something because obviously tensions are high right now. There's a lot going on. And people are so divided, as always. This is think of this like earlier in the summer after the the murder of George, of George Floyd and the protests that resulted from that. This is just one of those things similar to that where there's just something going on right now that kind of can't be ignored, and I just feel like I need to say something. So again, I totally understand if you want to skip ahead. Just give me three or four minutes, real quick. I just gotta gotta address this because it. It's like an elephant in the room if you don't say something. And for our international our international listeners, I appreciate you guys so much. I'm sorry for all the bullshit that Americans uh, on podcasts and Twitter and all this shit make you go through by constantly putting our political and social shit in your face. But just just, uh, just humor me for a couple goddamn minutes. Guys, the reason I want to bring this up is because I see a lot of division. I go on my Twitter feed and I see people I normally actually really love and respect just acting like complete fucking idiots and just being so absurdly disrespectful and mean to one another. And I just gotta, I just gotta say something because I, I swear it's like 99% of people that normally are, are otherwise pretty, pretty rational just seem to be kind of losing their shit right now. So let me preface with this. Xbox on is a podcast for everyone. Okay. This is just how it is. So I don't care who you are, what you look like, 
what you're into. Like, I don't care about your gender, your race, your sexual preference, anything. I don't care who you are or what you like. You are welcome at this show. This is a show for Xbox enthusiasts and Xbox enthusiasts and fans come from all walks of life and can look and be like anyone. So you are a friend of mine. If you are a friend of the Xbox, I just want to let you know you're always welcome here. So why do I say that? Because I I think... Sometimes we talk about diversity, especially in the modern era, and we only think of diversity in pretty specific ways. We think of sexual orientation or gender or race, and these are all really important forms of diversity to consider. But we also, but but one one form of diversity that we don't maybe there isn't a big modern progressive push to be more accepting of is political ideology. And so let me start with this. I am someone who struggles with my political identity. I'm not going to tell you who I vote for or how I feel politically or what my, who my candidate is, but I, I've always been str- someone who couldn't fit in. I'm not trying to call myself a special snowflake or say I'm like, you know, cr- like anti-culture or just, you, you know, someone who's like a little above the norm. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I've just always had a hard time finding a specific political ideology that I I I feel home to. And I, and I, I've begun to think the older I get that that's okay. Maybe more people should actually be that way. And we shouldn't try to push ourselves in these little boxes of like, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that I'm red, I'm blue. We should just maybe try to be who we are and kind of cherry pick our politics based on what seems moral and ethical and right for us. And the reason why this is so important to me is because it breaks my heart just seeing people like just totally just mindlessly trash one another on social media over like the person they voted for or, you know, their political ideology. Now, like, don't get me wrong. I understand how politics can be frustrating. Like I'm not, I'm not saying I don't have political beliefs. Like I see and read things, you know, pertaining to politics that make my blood boil. I too will get, what is it? They say? I get triggered as they say. I like, I, I understand these feelings they are not abnormal. I'm not trying to say there's something wrong with you, but let, let me, let me just be more specific. Okay. As long as I'm a pretty young guy, let me talk about the presidents of the United States in my conscious, um, in my in my cognizant young stupid life. Okay, well, we'll skip Bill Clinton because I was just so little. But the first presidential election, I was like, oh yeah, I'm old enough to know what a president is. Was the George W. Bush presidential election of 2000? And let me just explain this to you. George Bush, and this is not a political affiliate thing, is a fucking awful person. And, that, and that's not a slight to conservatives or, or Republicans. I, If you're a conservative or a Republican, you listen to the show, you are welcome here. I respect your political identity. But what I'm saying is George W. Bush, the person, is a war criminal and a piece of shit. He utilized 9-11 as an excuse to get us into war, to invade Iraq, and to get us into these endless wars in the Middle East that just, unfortunately, will never, will never cease, apparently. And... So you might think, oh, well, Jesse's a cool little liberal. He's a little blue guy. He's a Democrat. He's on our side. No, fuck you too. Because you know what we got after eight years of George Bush fucking everything up and being, you know, just taking corporate money and, and, and killing people, innocent people in the Middle East? We got eight years of Barack Obama, who's also a sorry sack of shit. And that's the most divisive one to say, because you're not supposed to say anything mean about Barack Obama, because we're all supposed to love him because he's such a handsome guy. He's so well-spoken. He's so well put together and presentable. And he's just such a likable guy. I get that. When I was a teenager, I was all over Barack Obama. I was sucking that guy's dick. I thought he was awesome, just like everyone else. Barack Obama fucking sucks. He, as the president, had all the power in the world to get us out of these fucking wars, and he refused to do it. He kept us in these wars, and in fact, he actually expanded them and introduced drone striking so we can now just kind of use Xbox controllers, of all things, 
to control drones and just kind of kill innocent men and women in in Syria and Iraq and all these different countries. We're just just dropping bombs on random kids. And then you go, okay, well, fuck Obama. And then you get Donald Trump. And what does Donald Trump do? Well, he could end the wars. He's the president of the United States, but for God's sake, right? Nope, Trump doesn't do it. He just keeps bombing people and, and, and dropping little bombs on kids in Syria and all this shit. And then he added more troops to the war and then reduced the troops after they took out ISIS. And he's bragging left and right about how he brought the troops home, but he hasn't done fucking shit. We have the same amount of people overseas as we did when Obama was in office and So Trump's a piece of shit. And then you say, well, we want Biden to win because Trump's the most divisive piece of shit in the world and we don't want him to be our president. Well, Joe Biden isn't going to end the wars. In fact, he was the vice president during the Obama administration. He's going to keep killing little kids around the world also. So the point I'm trying to make, why why am I focusing on war in the Middle East? Because even though that's a thing that's just been going on for like 20 years now, we don't think about that, right? Especially if you live here in the United States, we think about we think about the economy, especially now we think about the pandemic and the president's response to that. We think about the social climate, how Republicans and Democrats are so divided and, and everyone who doesn't agree with you is a racist or a Nazi. And those are the kinds of conversations we have today. And I'm not going to get into those because, like, fuck me, you can go literally anywhere else and get that kind of commentary. But the point I'm trying to make is, like, here's one key example of how every politician is the same sorry sack of shit. So you can go around and call this president, the worst president ever, or that president, the worst president ever. You can say this election is the most important election of all time, or that election is the most important. No, the problem we have in this country isn't Republicans or Democrats or Trump or Biden. It is the American people do not hold politicians accountable. At the end of the day, we hold the power to vote and no one puts a gun to our head and says, you got to vote red or blue. Because at the end of the day, it's not about who can win. It's about voting for someone you believe in. And I can't get behind any of these fuckers. Now that I'm old enough to understand that, first of all, all these guys are bought. All these guys are corrupt. All these guys are just lying to the public and then governing, you know, for themselves and for their special interests in in these corporations. I understand that they all suck. So if you voted for Donald Trump, you're not inherently a racist. Don't let people tell you that. Fuck them. Those are people who are projecting what they assume Trump supporters, what they assume conservatives, what they assume Republicans are based on a single person. If you're a Democrat, don't let people tell you that you're some fucking SJW, blue-haired Nazi puncher, whatever. No, you're allowed to have whatever political identity you want and vote for whoever you want. So if you voted for Donald Trump, if you voted for Joe Biden, I don't care. You're welcome to use your vote as you want. That is your right as an American citizen. I may have my own personal takes on certain people, but I don't think who you voted for inherently says everything about you. That's just fucking absurd. It's just simply not the case. So you're welcome on the show, no matter who you are. But the reason I bring this up is to say either all of these politicians are evil, corrupt, warmongering, racist pieces of shit, or none of them are. And I think it's pretty obvious which one's the answer. So you don't have a right to go around telling people who they're supposed to vote for, that they're a sack of shit because they didn't vote for your guy, and then turn around and support your guy who's the same fucking person, okay? So I don't care. People say, like, Trump supporters are all racist. What are you fucking talking about, dude? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are racist. They pass racist legislation in their time in office. Kamala Harris disproportionately incarcerates people of color. Like, what are you talking about? They're all racist, sure. Like, just don't... Don't hold one part of the group accountable. Hold everyone accountable, okay? So j- just understand that every time you vote for one of these fuckers, 
you're endorsing this bad behavior. We are rewarding people. So there's these people out here saying, you know, the lesser of two evils. No, man. Anytime you endorse any of these people, you're all endorsing the same shit. So be kind to one another. Understand that, you know, as easy as it is for you to say, oh, that guy voted for Trump. He's a fucking racist or a piece of shit. That person can say the same thing about you. And I guess it's true by the same merits because all of these presidential candidates, all these presidents, all these politicians are equal sacks of shit. So be kind to one another and don't assume the worst about people just because of who they voted for. Americans are people are selfish and they're distracted and we vote based on the things in front of our face. We vote off the economy. We vote off the pandemic. We vote off equality for the people in our country. And you know what we do is we turn a blind eye to all the innocent people in the Middle East that all of these presidents just keep fucking bombing so we can, I don't know, stay in the Middle East and just have these endless wars to fund corporations and, and private interests. So just understand, no matter who you vote for, you're a piece of shit or no one's a piece of shit. That's how this works. So I just want to let you know, regardless of your political affiliation and, and also, you know, inherently being a Democrat or being a Republican, being a liberal or being a conservative doesn't mean all of these assumed things about you. It's just your political identity. So try to just be nice to one another. So I, I know it's a really weird kind of Xbox on way of just like bringing everyone down to the same level of you're a shithead. But I'm just so tired of seeing people at each other's throats as if like you're all high and mighty for voting for one candidate over the other. Like, no, you're all fucking idiots for voting for these candidates. And I say you as if like I'm not a part of this. Like we're all a part of this. OK, every time you vote for one of these guys. You're voting to continue to murder children in the Middle East. And I just want to let you know this. And this is this is the part that applies to all of you international listeners, because I try to be mindful of you guys. I think it's crazy that there are people in other countries. We have people in, in India, Australia, uh, the UK, Mexico, Germany, all these different places listening to this show. And it blows my fucking mind. I'm so grateful that you guys are a part of this show and you listen to this show if anyone hasn't turned off yet. But here's the reality, man, is like the president of the United States is the most powerful person in the world. And unfortunately, only Americans get a say in who gets to be the president. And that's fucked. Can you imagine being like the mother, uh, like some Syrian mother who like whose child and husband just got bombed to death by like Barack Obama or Donald Trump? And you're just like, wow, I wish I had a fucking say in American politics because I certainly have, you know, I certainly have some some skin in the game here. But no, only Americans get to vote. And Americans only give a shit about stupid, stupid stuff. We care about. Literally just just identity politics and just he said she said and it's it's just absolute mind numbing and I just wanna I just wanna say like this is why you know I tweeted out earlier today I'm politically homeless and that wasn't me trying to be cute or counterculture or anything that's just me being honest to God like I don't fucking know what to think or where to fall politically because. I'm disgusted by everyone and everything. So that, I, that's just a way of saying, like, I think most most podcasts like this would be trying to say something like, you're all welcome no matter, you know, what your race, creed, religion, political identity is. You're all welcome here. I guess what I'm trying to say is we're all equally low-level pieces of shit, and therefore we all need to have the same level of respect for one another because no one here is better or, or holier than thou. We all suck. All these politicians sucks, suck, and we keep rewarding their bad behavior by voting for them. Remember, you can say, well, what other choice do we have? No one can win unless they're a Democrat or Republican. No, actually, it's not fucking true. Because again, at the end of the day, no one puts a fucking gun to anyone's head and says you have to vote for this person. So 
we're all responsible. We're all to blame. Stop trying to divide us and pick sides. We all suck. Thank you for letting, for in, indulging me. I'm so sorry that this podcast is, this episode is probably only going to have seven listens now because I, I talked politics on an Xbox show, but it had to be, it had to be said. That's it. I, I want you to understand that the, the moral of what I was just saying is that you're all welcome here. No one, you know, unless you're like actually a fucking Nazi or an actual white supremacist. Yeah, of course you can go to hell. You're not welcome here. Of course. But that's almost no one. And I highly doubt anyone like that is listening to the show. So the reason why I bring this up is just to say, I don't think you're inherently the worst fucking person in the world. If you have this political ideology, I just want you to know we're here because we have a shared commonality. We love Xbox. And that's the thing that brings us all together. And it just breaks my fucking heart that we have to constantly look for ways to tell people like they're actually like the the scum of the earth because they voted for a different candidate. Like, shut the fuck up. All these candidates are the absolute worst. And we all keep encouraging them and condoning them by voting for them. So no matter who wins the election, as the time of this recording, they still haven't exactly decided. It looks like Joe Biden's probably going to win. But just know, no matter who wins the election, everyone loses. Let's talk about some Xbox, guys, to all like one of you. I hope at least Lethal Migraine is still here. Lethal Migraine, are you still there? God damn it. Even, even Lethal Migraine left. Fuck. Okay, well, here we go. This one's going into the ether. All right, we got to get some comments out of the way, guys. That that shit is too lighthearted. We need to get into, like, the heavy stuff now, okay? Badass Lord Tipsy comments on YouTube, where you can always go to comment on the show. Go to Second Best Gaming. on That's my channel on YouTube. And then you'll see the Xbox on podcast playlist there. Badass Lord Tipsy comments on last week's show and says, Cilantro on chili. All right, guys, I guess there is a way we got to divide the audience. There's everyone who isn't a sorry stack of shit. And then there's people who put cilantro on chili. I don't think you're can I don't think you're saying you eat cilantro on chili. I know you're just you're just saying it because you know that image is gonna drive me nuts. And it does. So fuck you, badass Lord Tipsy. Uh Limepool says acclaimed director Gilbert Del Toro. Of course. Uh Badass Lord Tipsy comes back and says, You can't cancel me. I say Red Baron is the king of frozen pizza. Now, guys, I think as we all know. That's just simply not true. Red Baron is not the worst frozen pizza, but that is like squarely middle of the road frozen pizza, okay? If we're going to talk about frozen pizza, you got to mention the California Pizza Kitchen pizza, okay? It's just the best frozen pizza. Now, I know there are some other brands of California uh, of, uh, of frozen pizza that are kind of region specific, so I haven't had them all, of course, but I try to be a connoisseur of the frozen pizza and try as many varieties and brands whenever and wherever possible. And I got to just say, Red Baron, while not awful, is like, I'd say like middle, maybe like lower middle tier frozen pizza. I mean, you you cook it a little extra so it's crispy and you put some ranch dressing on it. It's, it's doable, but like, get the fuck out of here. It's not the king of frozen pizza. Lethal Migraine says, why, why Wendy's? Spicy chicken is fantastic. And yes, they have excellent chili. Skin on the fries are great too. Also, because McDonald's is an edible trash, haven't eaten there in years. Taco Bell isn't even real food. Just some science experiment that happens to taste good. Uh, no, just no. No to all of this. Fast food's not supposed to be food. It's supposed to be a science experiment that tastes good, which is why McDonald's and Taco Bell win. I, no more Wendy's. Wendy's is banned from the podcast, Lethal Migraine. Master Doom Chief comes in and says, This week has been a bunch of weird news. One, Sony takes zombies mode away from everyone. You're referring to Call of Duty. Two, Halo Infinite gets uh, crapped on by the community after Game Director left. And three, Cyberpunk delayed after going gold. 
But the best news I heard was that AMD presentation, and I am very excited for the AMD and for AMD and what they have going on this month. They've also confirmed that the Xbox Series X and S are both uh, the only boxes with full RDNA 2 support. So news that news alone makes up for all the annoying stuff I read this week. No wonder why Microsoft is so confident in their systems. Yeah, I, I saw that story, and I, I don't understand it because I have a tiny brain. So good for Xbox. I guess we keep winning, whatever. People are really excited about us being powerful. Um, but but here's the thing. Your, your one, two, three points, you say Sony takes zombies from everyone. I saw people up in arms with this about this. So so the new Call of Duty um, Black Ops Cold War has a zombies mode that is exclusive to PlayStation for a full year. This is exactly what they did with Modern Warfare. Again, this is part of the PlayStation Activision Call of Duty Call of Duty marketing partnership. So the like the regular zombies mode in Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is going to be available on PC, Xbox, and PlayStation all day and date. Sony and PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4, whatever, are just getting a, like, sub-mode, like a smaller mode. Like, in Zombies, there's another mode. I forget what it is, but it's one of those, like, small, one-off, like, no one's going to play this kind of modes. And, yes, it's a one-year timed exclusive to the PlayStation ecosystem. If that sounds familiar, that's because last year Modern Warfare did the same thing where the, the Spec Ops mode is, you know, on... Xbox, PC, and PlayStation, but their survival mode within Spec Ops was PlayStation exclusive up until like a month or two ago, which I told you I was playing last week. So yeah, so they, they're doing that again. That's that's kind of no surprise, but rest easy. The real zombies mode, the actual, you know, meat and potatoes of the zombies experience is in all versions of the game. Yes, this still totally sucks and I don't support it, but I'm going to buy the game anyway, so I fuck me. Uh, you, the Halo Infinite thing, I thought more about this. I, after last week's episode, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I felt like I really gave a poor performance last week, especially with that Halo story about Chris Lee leaving uh, 343 Industries. Remember, so this is something that a lot of people don't know, and I, I only learned this after I recorded the show, but apparently when, when Joseph Staten came back to 343 or came back to the Halo franchise a month or two ago, they basically announced then that he was kind of taking over a studio head from here on out, working on story and campaign and all that. So it was already kind of announced at the time that he was sort of Chris Lee's replacement. And so this is kind of old news, actually. Chris Lee leaving was actually kind of because Joseph Stanton or Stanton came back. Also, the other thing he was saying is basically his role in the project had been essentially completed. And so there was no real need for him to be there anyway. He was already kind of on his way out the door. So I know that might sound to some like, oh, you're just a Halo fanboy trying to pad up this otherwise pretty awful news. But I think what I'm trying to say is, yeah, I still think it is a little weird what's going on at 343. It just seems like there's a lot of people who just get in, get some resume experience and get out. And, and it just kind of turn and burn at the studio. And they definitely need to do something about that. But it seems also like some of this is kind of blown out of proportion. And there seems to be a little more hysteria about what's happening with Halo than, you know, the actual situation. And then three, you mentioned the cyberpunk being delayed after going gold thing again. Another story where I feel like I didn't totally do that story justice. You're right. That was really fucking weird. There's, it's almost impossible or it's almost it almost never happens where you see a game go gold and then get delayed like what happened with Cyberpunk. Um, going gold for those un, un, unfamiliar is basically when the game is certified and sent off. They have a final build of the game that they say this is the one that we're going to press on retail discs and ship out to consumers. And so basically the fact that the game went gold and then they delayed it basically means that the if you if you buy a physical copy of Cyberpunk in December when it comes out, you're basically buying the busted up 
unpatched version of the game. And then when you plug the game in your console, it's going to force you to do a day zero update before you can play it. And that's going to patch it to whatever they actually want to launch it at. So that's kind of a weird thing for them to do to kind of push out the door and and make it gold and then be like, yeah, but we're actually still working. Like it's normal for a game to go gold and then ship. And then they work on a day one update. But this is like, this is different. This is like, we pushed the game out the door before it was technically completed. And now we're going to complete the game and push that out as a mandatory update. So that's a little different from your typical day one patch. So found that weird as well. Grant Monday uh, writes in and says, Hey, still loving the podcast here in the UK. Probably not. You're probably not listening to it after how we opened. But you say, I first listened to your show when COVID was getting real bad over here in March. Driving home, listening to the latest episodes from a busy day at work always helped me chill out and wind down. Keep up your, what you're doing. It's great stuff. Here's a question. When it's Series X launch, what meal would you have on the day to celebrate in style? Also, what game do you think you'll load up on first uh, in the new console? Much love from uh, Devon, England. Devon, 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 England. Well, Grant, thanks for writing in. Um, this is a fantastic question. I, I First of all, I appreciate you listening. Longtime listener, if you've been listening since March, it's a, much appreciated your support as always. But that's a great question because what, what you what you bring up here is the is something that's actually kind of I assume this is common for most, but I I actually have this kind of association where there's like a big like video game related launch day, whether it's a console or um or just a specific game, and you have that like moment of like yes, it's that day, this thing is out, and you like go to the store, you pick up the thing, and you get a special meal to kind of celebrate it with. So it's so funny you say it because I have so many memories of this. Like I I specifically remember the day the switch came out and like I left school really late cause I had a class late that night. I was in college at the time. So I had like a class that went on to like seven o'clock and then I took the train home and I ran to my car and I, I drove all the way to Best Buy and I was like, this is it. I'm going to wait out till midnight and pick up my Nintendo switch. And, and like McDonald's was the thing I had to have like a double quarter pounder with my Nintendo switch. It was like, for some reason, the fucking thing. And I remember in 2013 when super Mario, um, super Mario 3d world came down, came out to Nintendo uh, Wii U, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the thing. Like, I got to go to Fry's Electronics. I got to pick up the new Mario game, and then I got to have a Chick-fil-A sandwich to go with it for some stupid reason. So it's so funny you say this because I have so many random, stupid, distinct memories of this where it's like, yeah, 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 this game or this console, and this is the stupid thing I have to eat with it. Like, every, every time a Halo game comes out, the thing for me is, like, whatever Mountain Dew flavor that fall is, usually it's like a, a gamer fuel flavor like I remember Halo 3 obviously had a Halo 3 gamer fuel Halo 4 had a Halo 4 gamer fuel Halo 5 the year Halo 5 came out was the year Call of Duty Black Ops 3 came out so it was a Call of Duty Black Ops 3 gamer fuel but I remember I remember driving to like five Kroger Kroger's a grocery store uh five different Kroger locations to find I, I ended up going to one that was like 30 miles from my house to get the Call of Duty Black Ops Gamer Fuel just so I could have it there ready um, for midnight when Halo 5 launched so I could just like play Halo 5, crack open a Mountain Dew Gamer Fuel and was like, this is like, you know, Gamer Fuel and Halo are like like tied together. So it's funny you bring that up just because that's such a thing for me and I assume it is for a lot of people and that's probably why you asked it is because, I mean, not only do I talk about food a lot, but I, I think that's just kind of a funny, funny thing to note that, that we, probably a lot of us do this, but... With that said, I I don't know I don't know what the answer is here, man. Like that's a that's a crazy one. This past week for Halloween, I I ordered my favorite local pizza restaurant, and I've just eaten like such shit 
this past week because of Halloween that any thought of like any celebratory fun junk food for the Xbox Series X just sounds like sounds like a trip to the ER. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'll feel different on Tuesday when the box comes out. Um, but as of right now, just like knee jerk reaction, gun to my head. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say some Chuck E. Cheese pizza. I'm going to say you, you go down to the Chuck E. Cheese, you tell that mouse who's boss and you say, I need some goddamn fucking pizza to go with my Xbox series X. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll report back next week and we'll find out how that goes. But as of right now, let's just say, let's, let's say Chuck E. Cheese. Thank you. Next up, Master Doom Chief says, Jesse, you're my spirit animal. I love the F-bomb. Hey, he, he, he. And I think Halo 5 has good multiplayer. And what and what you were explaining, people just ruin the narratives and just attack. Dude, I didn't hear the end of it. But I'm still holding firm of it. Sure, Halo 3 will be cherished uh, by me. But everything about Halo 5 multiplayer is just really darn good. Thank you. I, I appreciate you not only understanding what I was trying to say. Because I was just a, a rambling fucking idiot. Um, but I also appreciate you having the same taste in Halo, where 3 is just a a beautiful masterpiece that cannot be touched, but also Halo 5 is just so objectively great. So I'm glad you're on the winning team. Thank you so much. I don't have to call you a stupid sack of shit. I don't have to tell you to fuck off and that you are a racist for not believing what I believe. Uh, Badass Lord Tipsy says, The F-bombs were needed for the Halo 5 explanation, or else it would have fallen upon deaf ears. Thank you for understanding. Thank you. Josiah, my brother, says, I'm going to get ketchup all over Halo Infinite. And that's where we stopped recording for the week. Fuck you. Bye-bye. OG Man Man says, Jesse, I feel you on the Halo 5 topic. I think most of the mob mentality comes from people who have never played it and probably don't even or probably don't even play Xbox. It came out after Xbox had launched had lost the console war clearly, and Destiny had a huge following with uh it, their ties to PlayStation. People who play Halo 5 uh, that I know uh, who are Xbox gamers through and through um, play custom games with regularity, uh, regular play custom games regularly and have no problem with the game. The story was not what the people wanted, but the multiplayer was fine. But once Master Chief Collection got the patch, that's what most of us Xbox preferred. Once people spoke out about Halo 5's Halo 5 story, everyone ran with it, and now you got PS4 people telling you Halo died after Bungie left, and that the game is that the only game they play is Destiny. And Destiny on the PS4 gets the expansion first. So fuck Xbox and fuck Halo 5 because I heard it sucked. Destiny is better. Yeah, that's that pretty much encapsulates exactly what I'm trying to say. OG Man Man, I think I think maybe maybe you get it better than anyone else. Maybe, maybe I sleepwalk or I sleep right. I sleep comment. And you are just me in the middle of the night commenting on my own videos. Because that's uh, that sounds eerily like I wrote it. So thank you. You also say, sorry for a little bit for the bit of a tangent, but I understand what you're saying. And being in the minority of being a Microsoft loyalist, you get a little offended by the media narrative when it can be so biased. I promise any of the real Halo fans who are getting an Xbox series uh, will play Halo Infinite regardless of the feelings towards 5. That being said, Infinite is a lot of people's last chance with the series. I agree and concur with all that. Now... Badass Lord Tipsy coming back in says F-bomb on. So that's pretty funny. I wish my Xbox turned on when I said that. Sam Torres says, Jesse, greatly enjoyed the whole podcast. Chili is weird, which leads me to a serious topic. Pet project of mine. Develop a working time machine to see if game publishers can meet their deadlines. Waste of time and and said time machine. I did go three years ago into the future. I did go three years into the future last night. Time machine is a 2008 Honda Fit breaking in 
it in slowly. You can tell plus gas engines are outlawed by 2030. <laughs> Just wanted to say I love the future Xbox on podcast, but it's not called that anymore. F box on the podcast of choice, not just for the Xbox Series X, but also for F bombs. Lots of corporate support. People gave up limiting swearing after 2020. So congrats. You made the world rethink things and in the future <laughs> and sweet fucking Sam's Club Pizza is a chain. You should see their logo. It's obscene, <laughs> but my name is Sam, so I like it. Also, Chili is <laughs> is running for the president. Also, Chili is running for president. Or that's what the bumper sticker I bought back from the future. <laughs> Sam, this is my favorite comment in a long time. It's so good. I love this comment so much. And thank God that Sam's Club Pizza is now its own chain. Uh, Captain James <laughs> says, I got some bad news. I was able to pre-order an RTX 3070, and one of my good friends was not able to pre-order an Xbox Series X. So, I, so I'm so i giving him my Xbox Series X pre-order, and it looks like I'm stuck on PC for a while. I still want a Series X, but I will try to get one through Xbox All Access eventually. Well, Dead Captain James, I see what you probably thought by doing this was, hey man, I don't need to be an egregious consumer, you know, get two really awesome things in a time where most people either can't afford or can't find access to even one of these things. So let me help out my friend and and hook him up with one of them because I don't need both of these right now. You know, I, I'll take what I need and I'll help others where I can. And that's a very modest thing to do. That's a very heroic thing to do. You're so kind, Dead Captain James, but I don't give a shit what a kind friend move that was. What I'm saying is you're not a real X bot until you have an Xbox Series X. I don't care if that is if that is class shaming you. I don't care if that I don't care if a statement like that is class shaming. I don't I don't care if that's exclusionary or what or whatever you want to say, but Xbox Series X or GTFO, Dead Captain James, wh- where are you gonna go? Maybe just tell your friend last minute, fuck you, I changed my mind. You can do that still. It's not too late. I know the box hasn't shipped yet. EA's King117 says, I finally made my friend buy an Xbox Series X. By the way, he's a Sony fanboy. EA's King, you are doing the Lord's work. We turned one of them around. Remember, vote green no matter who. And then Lethal Migraine rounds up the comments for the week and says, has nothing to do with the show other than it applies to Xbox, but I ordered a 65-inch LG CX to prepare for the Series X. Excited for that to arrive next Friday. Well, Lethal Migraine, congratulations to you. I know what an exciting moment that can be. I actually also recently bought a 65-inch TV as well in preparation for my Xbox Series X. I've been eyeing the Samsung 4K TVs, and I finally pulled the trigger on the, I forget the model number now because it's been like two or three months, but it's like the RU700 series. It is a 4K 120 hertz refresh rate TV. That's all I care about is 120 hertz, but it is one of those OLED panels where it's like, um, it has like the blotches of backlighting rather than actual OLED display where each pixel is illuminated and the reason why I went with that was because even though the LGs I think are like objectively better TVs I am so afraid of buying one of those LG like true OLED displays and then having that um and then having like a screen burn or a dead pixel or something so I got that Samsung QLED instead it's a little cheaper Actually, it's a lot cheaper, and that's why I bought it, and also because I am an uncultured mess who wouldn't be able to appreciate the difference between the LG and the Samsung, so I don't know why I'm telling you this other than to say I'm also really excited. I recently bought a a new TV in preparation for the Series X. I'm super excited for next week, if you can't can't tell. 
All right, that's going to do it for all of our comments, shout-outs, and whatnot of the week, guys. I feel like I really put this podcast off on a bad start with my little political rant. To all two of you who are still there, is any anybody still there? Anybody? Hopefully at least Sarugi's here, please. But anyway, that's going to do it for this week's comments and shout-outs. Remember to go to YouTube. Second Best Gaming is my channel. You can find the Xbox On playlist there. And don't be shy, guys. Reply. Now we're going to talk about what I've been playing this past week. But before we can get into that, I've got to tell you what I've been eating. So as you know, this past week was Halloween. Most wonderful holiday of the year. I wish we could be reflecting on what a wonderful Halloween it was rather than you know, the bullshit going on right now, but let's, let's try to do that. Let's, let's reminisce a little bit about Halloween. I had a wonderful Halloween. Girlfriend and I just stayed in, played spooky games and watched spooky TV. And by spooky TV, I just mean goosebumps. And we ordered pizza and it was fucking awesome. And so I've been eating a lot of Halloween candy. The reason I want to talk about Halloween candy as what I've been eating this week is because I had a little bit of a weird adventure. Obviously I'm too old to go trick or treating at this point in my life. It's just, really in poor taste and obviously you're not going to trick-or-treat during covid so what i do every year is is uh on november 1st and i'm sure you know tons and tons of people do this this isn't like a unique thing but on november 1st i get up rather early and i go to target or whatever store and i try to raid their halloween candy because obviously it goes on like a massive sale as soon as halloween is over and so this this year i did exactly what i did last year i, I woke up around the same time I went to the same Target location and I looked for candy, but like just everything was sold out. Like last year, I remember going to Target and it was like I had my pick of the litter. They had everything. They got they got the Mars bars, they got the Twix, they got or they don't call them Mars here in the in the U.S. I don't know why I said that. They call them Milky Ways. We got the Hershey's, we got the Kit Kats, we got the Reese's. If you haven't caught on, I'm a chocolate guy. Fuck candy. I don't want fruit candy. I don't want sour candy. I want chocolate. So like I'm trying to go nuts for this. And last year it was great. It worked perfectly. But this year. I get to Target, and it's like, what the fuck? They're just sold out of everything. They've got, like, a couple bags of M&Ms and some candy corn, and that was it. And I'm just like, what is, what is happening? So I, I go to Publix on my way home. Publix is a grocery store around here or whatever, and I check there, and all their Halloween, they don't even have anything on sale. They don't even have a display. It's just all gone. You can just go to the regular candy aisle, and they just have regular candy there. It's, like, all fucking gone. No Halloween happened. Okay, so that's weird as shit. So then we finally stopped by a Walgreens on our way home, you know, right next to home. We're already there. Might as well just try it. Walgreens finally, you know, third time's the charm. Walgreens saved our asses. They had plenty of Halloween candy still on sale, 50% off. It was magical. I got the M&Ms that look creepy. I got the Hershey's that look creepy. I got the Kit Kats that glow in the dark and probably don't give you cancer. I got it all. It was so great. It was 50% off. I spent like 10 bucks and got a shit ton of candy. It was wonderful. You know, then you take that home, you pour it all into a, a pillowcase, and you pretend you're a child tr who trick-or-treated the night before. But, my, you know, I'm still, like, perplexed as to just why all the Halloween candy was just sold out so fast. And my the only conclusion I could come to is that because of COVID, probably so few people trick-or-treated this year, you know, because it's just really not appropriate in the middle of a pandemic. But then again, this is Florida where no one gives a shit, so they probably trick-or-treated anyway. But my assumption is that a lot of kids probably did not trick-or-treat this past Halloween, and so their parents probably were like, okay, since you can't trick-or-treat, I'll just take you to the store and buy you all the Halloween candy so you can still get candy, and we'll, you know, how's that sound? So my guess is that's what happened, but, like, what the fuck? There's just a massive, you know, it's one thing, like, in the beginning of a pandemic when people can't get access to, like, water or toilet paper or meat or something you know like essentials like that's that's fuck off we'll deal with that 
But when a man can't go into a Target the day after Halloween and, and stumble upon endless aisles of 50% off Halloween candy, that's when I, that's where I draw the line. Like, what have we devolved into as a society that I can't be guaranteed my Halloween sale candy on November 1st? And I don't know. That's just something that's really been bugging me. I wanted to share that with you, and that's and that's what I've been eating. Now, while we're on the topic of candy, I'm going to say, you know, shout out to the top chocolate candies out there, the Kit Kats, the Twix, the the Milky Way bars, or the Mars bars, as you may call them in the UK, uh, the Hershey's bars, and ah, f- fuck it, a Reese's. You take a Reese's, you put that shit in the freezer, let it get ice cold, and then you eat it. Fucking amazing. So shout out to all of those candies. Let me know what kind of candy you like. What's your favorite Halloween candy? I gotta know it, guys. Just tell me all about it in the comments below. Also, Another observation I made because someone brought some of those pumpkin-shaped uh, Reese's to work the day after Halloween. Have you ever noticed that the the pumpkin ones taste better? I think it's like the 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 proportion of like chocolate, the ratio of like chocolate to peanut butter is different, but the pumpkin ones taste better. And like I swear I'm not making that up. Like that's a thing. So also something to be something to be mindful of. So thank you so much. Now if you must, we can talk about what I've been playing. So obviously for Halloween, I was playing a bunch of spooky games to kind of fit the theme. I finished Pumpkin Jack, which I was telling you guys about last week. Super awesome game, really fun start to finish. I cannot recommend that game enough. It's just such a pleasant treat. There's nothing really like it out there on the market. The closest thing I could say to it is it'd be kind of like uh, Medieval, which is a PlayStation game, which was actually remade for PS4 last year. Um, that's like the closest alternative I can I could compare it to. But even then, I think it's a little more nuanced than Medieval. So I, I don't know. It was just a very fun game, and I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, super fun. My only gripe with the game being that I think the levels are a little too long. But otherwise, I mean, just a fantastic game. Uh, Costume Quest, that was like my big, like the game we're going to play for Halloween. Um, Double Fine's Costume Quest, the old Xbox 360 one. Uh, my girlfriend and I sat down to kind of play it together. I thought it'd be like the cute little Halloween game we'd do together. And man, I she got bored of it like almost instantly. And I got bored of it within like 45 minutes. And I hate that because the premise of the game is so cute. And the characters and the writing in particular and the art style are just so charming and so fun. I can't say enough great things about Costume Quest in that regard. But once you get into it, it's like, it's like a light, short, you know, role-playing game and this is just a genre that usually doesn't speak to me and I just wasn't feeling it I wanted to but I just wasn't and then for whatever reason the next day my girlfriend like had a total 180 on it and decided she wanted to play it again so she I don't think she's beaten it yet but she made it pretty far into the game on her own and started playing it without me so she's enjoying that but I guess I kind of fell off there I played some Call of Duty Black Ops like 2010 Black Ops Xbox 360 uh, because I just want to relive some old zombies maps just to kind of get the Halloween spirit going. So I spent Halloween morning playing that. That was fun to play some, you know, uh, Derice and and Kino Dare Toten and just some old school zombie maps shooting up those those Nazi zombies. And then I also played some Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Uh, I don't know why I did that. I only played it for a little bit. I don't remember why or what mode I played probably that Halloween mode, but the bulk of what I played on Halloween was Destiny 2. The bulk of what I've been playing this past week has been Destiny 2. I was playing through the Festival of the Lost, trying to grind out all that limited edition Halloween gear, and I I got everything I wanted. In fact, the only thing I didn't get was the mummy-wrapped ship that you can get, but I got the mummy-wrapping skin for my ghost and for my sparrow, and I got all the masks, including that really cool 
bubbly green cauldron mask uh, for my Titan. So I'm pretty pleased with all that. I thought the Haunted Forest was a really fun little strike event they did this year. And overall, just Festival of Lost was a great, great time. Great job, um, Bungie, on that. Had a lot of fun playing Destiny 2 this uh, past week. And actually, it was a nice little like uh, way to get me hyped for Destiny 2 Beyond Light, which comes out you know just in a week or so. And we'll come to Game Pass so we can all play it on our Series X. But unfortunately, the patch to make Destiny 2 like uprise the next-gen patch for it won't come out till December. So that's a little disappointing. Uh, but of course, you can still play the game on your Series X, so fuck off and just enjoy it. All right, and that's what I've been playing, guys. So without further ado, I think 45 minutes into the show, not our best, not our worst. Let's uh, let's jump into some news, of which there isn't me- isn't much, but I've got some little end topics that should make today fun. All right, our first story here uh, comes from Windows Central, and is that this holiday season has already been extremely busy for video games, and it's only going to get more hectic in a good way. With the launch of the Xbox Series X and S on November 10th, followed by PS5 starting on November 12th. To celebrate the launch of the new next-gen console, uh, Microsoft wants to host a live stream celebrating video uh, games, players, and more on November 10th that anyone can tune into. Uh, Microsoft's Let's Play uh, stream will air on Twitch, Facebook Gaming, and YouTube, Rip Mixer, uh, on November 10th, 2020 at 11 a.m. Pacific or 2 p.m. Eastern Time. The only time zones that matter, Go America. Uh, There won't be any big Xbox announcements um, during the the Let's Play stream. Instead, Microsoft wants to celebrate the monument uh, the momentous time in gaming history by inviting players to play right alongside Team Xbox, as well as various creators and partners. The stream will offer behind-the-scenes looks at Xbox and many video games being made for the platform, featuring the stories of the people who make those games, showcasing the launch uh, highlights from around the globe, and using the power of video games to raise money for different charities. So this is, like I said, this is what we're, you know, between the election and being a week away from the launch of the consoles, this is like that total calm before the storm in terms of video game news there's just literally nothing happening so like wh- what do you want to speculate about the story guys I-, I think this is just a cool thing at like a PSA to get out there because I don't know I think like for I know for me at least like my Xbox Series X is coming via Amazon it's probably not getting there to like late in the day Tuesday or probably Wednesday I- I'm not expecting them to be on the ball with that so for a lot of us I think this will be a fun way to kind of celebrate launch day for the console because you know unless you're picking up your console in store you might not be getting yours you know like on tuesday tuesday it might be late tuesday or sometime wednesday so this will be a fun way for i think the community to kind of get together and do something to feel like you were there and a part of launch day and uh, i just think it's cool that microsoft's trying to do something fan related just kind of ways to keep people engaged and connected even when we're all apart thanks to covid uh, so this is, uh, I don't know, this is a, it's a cool idea. I'm going to I'm gonna tune into this, see what's going on. I assume it's going to be a whole lot of fluff and nothing of interest, but I'm mildly interested to see what happens. Maybe we'll get like a snippet of Halo footage. I don't, I don't fucking know. A guy can dream, right? But yeah, that's, uh, that's that. So, yep, next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Twitch, Facebook Gaming, YouTube. Don't use Facebook Gaming, guys. Just don't do it. Next up, we got from Windows Central that Ubisoft has reported its quarter two 2021 financial results for the fiscal year ending September 30th. One of the most notable inclusions is the result in the results is the news that both Far Cry 6 and Rainbow Six Quarantine have been delayed past April 2021. 
Far Cry 6 was previously scheduled to release on February 18th while Rainbow in 2021, while Rainbow Six Quarantine was scheduled to arrive by March 2021 and was previously delayed back in October 2019. Yves Gilmont, co-founder and CEO of Ubisoft, cited the challenges of working from home amidst the ongoing global uh, pandemic as the reason for the delays. Uh, within the release of Watch Dogs Legion today, the company now has Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Mortals Phoenix Rising uh, remaining for the rest of the fiscal year. Uh, Gilmont also states that the company is taking steps to improve workplace culture, auditing HR processes, uh, and soliciting feedback from over 1,400 employees. This comes uh, in the months following the departure of several high-level executives who were accused of sexual harassment and abuse. So, yeah, this is a... Uh, I mean, it's hard for me to care about this kind of stuff because I see this and I always see it as good news. I'm like, oh, cool, they're going to take the time to make the game as good as it can be, so it's going to be a better product when it comes out, and I don't have to stress about, you know, all the games coming out around this time. So, you know, I I'm already super like stressed because there's a bunch of like Xbox one games. I'm trying to like kind of wrap up before series X gets here. And then when series X gets here, there's a billion things, you know, I want to jump back into destiny. I want to play Yakuza. I want to play crossfire X. I want to play call of duty. I want to play bright infinite. So I just, I mean, there's just, I don't know. There's just like endless games. The ascent, what happened to that? I want to play that. So I'm just like super pumped about so much shit happening right now that it's hard for me to, you know, be like, Oh man, far cry got, delayed another you know month or t another two months it's like i i don't care so it's uh it's just it's just weird especially you know if you're a ubisoft guy you just got watchdogs you're just about to get assassin's creed and then december's you're gonna get in december you're gonna get phoenix immortal rising so you got you already got a really good slew of ubisoft content coming down the pipeline like imminently so you can wait and and, and of all those games i just mentioned Far Cry is the only one I care about, and even I'm still just like, yeah, I can, I can wait. So, guys, if you, if I haven't said already, I think we'll be fine. We can wait. So, that's happening. It looks like, uh, other than that, good to see Ubisoft really cracking down and trying to take uh, the sexual harassment stuff more seriously and be more on top of these things, as to not let this stuff perpetuate and and live on throughout through uh, through the company. So yeah, and guys, wouldn't you know it? That's that's literally it for this week's big news stories. Yep. That's the kind of news week we're looking at. So I apologize if I spent more time ranting about politics than talking about video games, but we're not done yet. We've got our important enough news stories, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussion, um, as well as some fun topics after this. So hang on real quick. Our first one here is that Rare's Pirate Adventure Sea of Thieves is coming to Xbox Series X and S as an optimized title for or as an optimized title. And today the studio shared the technical details of what um, improvements are going. Sea of Thieves will run at 4K 60fps on Series X, and on the Series S it will run at 1080p 60fps. Both consoles will benefit heavily from the reduced loading from reduced load times uh, thanks to the advanced SSD, and the Xbox One and, and One X versions uh, were capped only at 30fps, so expect a big bump there. No release date was given for the update, though. Next up, Ubisoft uh, Ubisoft's upcoming Avatar game that I bet almost no one remembers ever being announced has been delayed until 2022 uh, to coincide with the release of Avatar 2. Just to be clear, this is James Cameron's Avatar, not the airbending Avatar, the one that takes place shortly after the events of James Cameron's Titanic. So next up after that, we've got the asymmetrical, the asymmetrical survival horror game, Friday the 13th, which released in 2017 and was based on the popular horror movie franchise, will be getting its last patch in November, publisher Gun Media wrote on, in a forum post. 
Among a long list of fixes, develop the developer will be shutting down its dedicated servers. This doesn't mean that the game is completely going away, as users can still play it in matches thanks to peer-to-peer uh, -peer matchmaking and quick play lobbies. They can also play in private matches. Player progression and unlocks will also remain active, and double XP, CP, and tape drops rates institute instituted uh, at the start of the pandemic will become permanent. So to sum it up, the game will be still available to play and will be active online, but only in a minimal capacity. That's a really weird one just because, you know, like Dead by Daylight is so, so, so popular, yet this game couldn't find its footing. So I just find that really weird. It's like, I don't know, it's like Call of Duty Warzone and 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 like and PUBG. It's like, what? How how is there not room for both of these things? But I mean, that's that's how it works, I guess. I don't know. And then lastly, the Dark Pictures Anthology is planned is a planned eight-game miniseries being developed by Supermassive Games and published by Bandai Namco Entertainment. The first two entries, Man of Madon, which I played recently, and Little Hope, which just came out, delved into the mysteries of a ghost ship and a town of witch trials, respectively. Now it appears that the third game is headed into the Mesopotamian desert. Uh, the new entry in the Dark Pictures Anthology will be titled House of Ashes, and the game will likely launch sometime later in 2021, although no time frame has been given yet. And guys, that's literally going to do it for all the news of any consequence. Now I want to do a fun segment. So la last week, last week on the show, I, you know, after we did our top five favorite Xbox console exclusives, I said, oh man, I wish I mentioned this at the top of the show so more people could participate. But I want to also do, you know, since this is the last week before the Series X comes out, just like one last little retrospect, kind of look back and reminiscence of the, uh, the Xbox One uh, uh, console generation. So... I, I said, let me know what your top five favorite third-party, you know, multi-platform games are for the Xbox One. These are games that came to everything, but you played on Xbox One because we're Xbox gamers. So it can be anything from, like, Call of Duty to Grand Theft Auto to NBA, you know, third-party games, multi-platform games. So, the uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's start. I'll start by going through my list, and then we'll jump through yours. There aren't as many of you that commented in, only about four or five. Um, because like I said, I meant to mention this at the top of the show last week, but I forgot to till the end. So probably only a few of you even heard because as we know, most of you get turned off by my political rants and then don't listen to those last few minutes where I just spew uh, crazy banter. But yeah, nonetheless, guys, let's uh, let's jump in this segment. I'm actually pretty excited about this because as I was making my list, I realized I was actually struggling with this way more than my top five exclusive games of, of the generation. All right, guys. So I said top five, but like I said, I had a hard time really narrowing it down. So I do have a couple honorable mentions. And let me just say this, this was hard. Like some of these honorable mentions, some of these honorable mentions were actually in the top five and they got bumped to honorable mentions. So on any given day, I may switch some of these around the ordering of some of these, but nonetheless, let's just get into it for honorable mentions. I put Yakuza zero, which, you know, like, I told you guys, I just got into Yakuza at the beginning of this year, but like, wow, I've really been sleeping on this series. Yakuza 0 in particular, but that franchise in general, so, so good. I'm excited to play Like a Dragon later on the Series X, and I just um, really, really enjoyed Yakuza 0. That game is 30 hours. It's like the rare example of a game that's 30 hours, but I didn't mind it being long, and it's just a total tearjerker, just a super fun game. If you've never played a Yakuza game, this is the one I recommend. Um, it's just, I think it's the perfect way to get you invested in the world and in the characters and it's just such a good game um, but I put that as an honorable mention alongside Sonic Mania which is 
arguably like the actual proper Sonic the Hedgehog 4. But the reason why I didn't put this in the top five is actually because I mostly played, I have Sonic Mania on Xbox, but I mostly played this on Nintendo Switch. So it doesn't really feel like an Xbox game to me because that's just not where I mostly experienced it. So I just want to put that in the honorable mention section. You got to put some Sonic in there. I let you know, you know, I love Sonic. Uh, and then lastly, for honorable mentions, I put Wolfenstein, the new order which is the first Wolfenstein game by Machine Games from 2014. Um, that one in particular, I loved so very much. Everything they've done since that, the DLCs, the sequel, I've enjoyed, but enjoyed significantly less, especially oh, especially the uh, Young Blood one that came out last year. That one was just straight up bad. But like, for the other than that, they're all pretty good, but like Wolfenstein The New Order in particular, I thought was phenomenal. If that was, I mean, of course it can't just be a one-off, but if that one was just a one-off, I'd be so happy with that. I feel like that was just such a strong game, like one-off game all on its own. It was such a great self-contained story, and I really, really enjoyed that one. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. That was just like a, just one of those games I played earlier in the generation that I just thought was, uh, you know, just kind of out of my wheelhouse. It was one of those games I attribute to kind of helping me grow as a gamer and try different studios, different ty types of games, and just do something different. Although I guess I, I also really liked, you know, classic Wolfenstein and, Raven's Wolfenstein from 2009, I believe, on 360. That was, so I mean, maybe I've always just liked Wolfenstein, but anyway, let's jump into my actual top five favorite Xbox One multi-platform third-party games. At the number five spot, I put Red Dead Redemption 2. This is a game I would never expect to put on a list like this, but guys, like Red Dead Redemption 2 is just like out of this world phenomenal. I cannot, again, just like Yakuza 0, it's like, I can't believe how much I didn't mind how absurdly long this game is. And I, and I put like 50, 60 hours into this game all in the course of like a week and a half. Like I poured through this game and it just didn't feel like that because it was so good. Like in terms of like next generation experiences on Xbox One, I think, uh, I think my number two pick on this list and Red Dead Redemption 2 are probably my favorite examples of a quote-unquote next-generation game on Xbox One because Red Dead Redemption 2, just the amount of, like, stuff that's happening, the way the things in the world interact and the way, like, the story is written and just how beautiful the world is and just how, like, alive the towns are is just unlike any game I've ever played before. I think Red Dead Redemption 2 has some, like, serious, like, high-tier movie-quality writing. It is just a phenomenally written game with amazing characters and just, like, the ending of that game just fucks, like, the the first ending of that game before you get to the second part of the ending, I should say, you know, spoiler alert. Um, but that, that, like, first ending with Arthur Morgan, like, god damn, that is one of the most insane endings in the game. It's just such a... It's just such a powerful closing scene, and I, I fucking love that game, man. That's just that's an experience that totally stuck with me. It's 50, 60 hours of my life that felt like nothing, and that's crazy because I'm not a massive Rockstar fan. You know, like, I like Grand Theft Auto. I'll play through them. I liked Red Dead Redemption pretty well, but, like, Red Dead Redemption 2 is, like, next-level stuff. It's it's just such a good game, and I, I'm not going to lie and say, you know, there are, I don't have gripes with it. Like, the game's definitely too long. You could definitely trim it down in a lot of places, and I have specific ideas of where in the game you can trim it down. But, I mean, I all things considered, like, I'm willing to take it all and accept it all for the experience I had with that. Because when I look back on Red Dead Redemption 2, my, my reaction isn't like, oh, man, the controls weren't perfect or, like, the game was too long. My reaction is, like, that's one of the most 
memorable story experiences I've ever had in a game. And the world was so next generation, revolutionary, alive, just intricate that it just felt that much more immersive and, and, and you know, real and, and fleshed out. So Red Dead Redemption 2 gets like a really resounding endorsement from me there at the top five at the number five spot on my top five list. You got to understand for someone like me, that's that's a, that's a weird game for me to have on a top five list. So that's that's high praise for a game of that caliber. So Red Dead Redemption 2 is my number five. My number four, I put this is a weird one. I don't even I don't even know if I, I'm OK with this, but I, I had to put it here. Maybe before I say what the game is, I'll preface with this. Some of the games on this list are, you know, this game, not because I think the game is objectively of that caliber like Red Dead Redemption 2 is number five on this list because I think the game is objectively of the caliber of top five best games on Xbox one okay this game I'm about to name for my number four spot by no means is like top five game quality but some of the games on this list are you know the games that spoke to me like the way this game resonated with me it just hit at a very specific time and the way the setting is specifically like the memories I have of like the setting of the game and like the time of year in which I played it and just like, you know, fall time and Halloween and everything like the way everything just lined up with this game just was so perfect. I have this feeling, this like kind of connection, this memory of this game that just really bolsters it and, and, and brings it higher on the list than maybe it otherwise should be. So this is more of about my experience with the game and less about the quality of the game because it's not a top five game from an objective standpoint. But nonetheless, number four is Life is Strange 1. The first Life is Strange. As you may know, I absolutely hate Life is Strange 2. I think it's just hot trash. And their newer game from Don't Nod, the developer, um, Tell Me Why, I thought was just okay. It was it was fine. It was a little boring. Um, but Life is Strange 1, I think, is just phenomenal. Now, I know, you know, if you've never played Life is Strange, you know the whole thing is about, like, like the thing people know about it is the campy writing. Yes, the writing is fucking awful. It's super cringy. It's super bad. It's super, like weird older European men trying to understand teenage American girls and it's just so just fucking dissonant and awful but the game's characters and the story and just the experience of it or at least when I played it it's just it was just so captivating that like you forgive the cringy writing and you forgive the weird uh, quirks of the characters because you're just you just get so invested and in Life is Strange 1 let me make this clear it's it's one of those games where it's like I played it once and I never want to play it again. It's just like one of those games where it's like I enjoyed it so much my one playthrough and I just kind of want to hold on to that memory and and allow it to kind of get you ever have one of those memories like those good feelings about like a person or an event or like a movie or something where it's like I'm never going to experience that again and I'm kind of I kind of accept that like like my my strange my strange like fading memory is going to warp my perception of what that was and make me appreciate it and admire it and and celebrate that way more than maybe it deserves and that's kind of where i am with life is strange it's like it's one of those things like the longer that the more time goes on and i get distanced from my experience playing that game the more my memory just kind of like just like makes like a like idealizes what that game was and what my experience playing it was. And I kind of like keeping it that way. So 
I don't know. It's just a, it was just a really special game. I think the atmosphere and the setting of the game is beautiful. The twists in the story towards the end are fucking crazy and pulled off really well. And like, despite you know, despite the the character at the end of the game that ends up that that dies is like so hateable at the beginning of the game, and they do such a good job making you invested in in, in the story of these girls' lives that like by the end of the game you're fucking sobbing over the girl who dies. And you're like, what the fuck? Like four episodes ago, I hated this girl, and now here I am at the end of episode five, like just sobbing my eyes out. It's a, it's a really good game, and also turned me on to some good music as well. There's a Sid Matters uh, and Foles, I think, a couple artists like I never heard of some kind of like indie rock music um, that that this game kind of turned me on to. So great music, great setting, great characters, great story. Really fucking weird writing, but so easy to get over and forgive and kind of dismiss. Once you get, once you allow the game to kind of take you in. So cannot recommend Life is Strange 1 enough. It's a very good game. Um, and light, and Don't Nod just can't seem to replicate that magic with anything else they, they make. Uh, although I'm glad that they do find a lot of success. It seems like most people seem to disagree with me and, and like most of their games. All right, our next one here at the number three spot is Far Cry 4. Now, Far Cry 4 is one of, again, it's one of those things. It's like something I played early in the generation of the Xbox One. And I just remember it so very fondly. Far Cry, Far Cry is one of those series, and I believe I've said this before on the podcast, it's one of those things where it's like everyone's favorite Far Cry game is different because I think everyone's everyone's favorite Far Cry is the first one they played. So, I mean, as we know, Far Cry is like Call of Duty. It's one of those things where it's like Call of Duty kind of starts with Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare because we all know like Call of Duty 1, 2, and 3 are like a totally different thing. The Call of Duty franchise, Call of Duty as we know it, was established in 2007 when Modern Warfare came out, right? Far Cry is kind of the same thing where it's like, yeah, there's these other Far Cry games. Crytek made the original ones. But, like, Far Cry as we know it begins with Far Cry 3. And then from there, everything is Far Cry, you know? It's one of those those series. Um, but with that said, I actually miss... I, I, I've since gone back and played Far Cry 3, and I love Far Cry 3. Um, but Far Cry 4 was my first entry in the series, and it's just it's just one of those things where it's like everything about the game just resonated with me so much um, that even though I like Far Cry 5 okay and I like Far Cry 3 a lot, it's just hard for me to get the same exact value and experience out of those games as I got with 4 because 4 was the first time I got that experience. So I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with Far Cry 4. I think it's one of the most beautiful games in the like just in history. I think the... Uh, Napoleon setting they do is just so fucking gorgeous. The, I mean, like, that game still holds up. Like, that's an early Xbox One game, and you play it today, and it still looks just fucking stunning. It's a beautiful game. And I'm just, a, I'm I'm really obsessed with the, the story of Far Cry 4. In fact, back when I used to try and, quote-unquote, blog about video games to try and build portfolio work back when I dreamed of being a video games media writer, you know, back in my early late high school, early college days, I actually used to write about Far Cry 4 all the time because I thought it was just such a compelling story. I thought it was, again, one of the best examples of storytelling in a in a video game, in a modern video game. And I love the idea of, like, the theme of Far Cry 4 being about, like, this, this, this whole commentary on, like, who is the monster because, like, the marketing for the game and the actual game, if you just play it regular, sets you up to believe, like, okay, you go this, you go to this country, you know, you're you're a you're you're like a first generation American immigrant, and and your mother passes away, so you go back to her homeland to scatter her ashes on this mountain, 
and it's it's this fictional country. I forget what it's called. It's called the Kirat or something. I believe the country's called Kirat. Um, it's like a fictional like part of like Nepal. So I th- yeah, I think it's like a, a, a fictional part of Nepal is where you are. But anyway, you you go back there to spread your mother's ashes, and that's kind of like the premise of the game. Um, but then your your plans are sabotaged by Pagan Min, who's like the bad guy. He's like kind of like the tyrannical dictator of, of the area and everything. And you like you team up with like these freedom fighter groups to kind of take him down and and free the area and everything like that. And it seems like just a generic like you know like outsider gets dropped into a setting is introduced to a bad guy, meets the good guys, teams up with them, takes down the evil, saves the day. But the thing I love about this story is like, it so intentionally sets you up to think that way that you don't realize the point the game's trying to make is that like, this is the kind of like way movies and novels and and just stories throughout history have kind of presented to readers and players and viewers is like, yeah, you're the good guy. Cause of course your guy's the good guy and that's the bad guy. And you gotta, you know, you gotta drop into this place and make the good happen. And it's kind of a commentary on like, like the ignorance of like Western imperialism, because you're like this Westerner who comes to this country who doesn't have any real context for it. And you just like start taking guns and shooting everyone and, and making all this change and taking down the quote unquote bad guy. But the whole point of the game is that if you actually get to the beginning of the game and to the point where you first encounter the enemy and you just leave the controller there and don't touch it for five fucking minutes instead of trying to escape and then, you know, unfold the events of the game. What you actually find out is that the, the quote unquote bad guy of the game, Pagan Min is actually not a good guy, but he's, he's, he's not a bad guy or a good guy. He's, he's actually someone who was like an ex lover of your mother's and he's, he's, he knows you're coming to this, this country and he's trying to find you because he wants to tell you the truth about, you know, your family and who your father really was and how he loved your mother and how she left him and how like he was devastated to learn of her death. And he wanted to help you get to the top of this mountain to bury her, to scatter her ashes. And it's like this amazing, like mind fuck moment when you realize like, most like 99% of people who play this game are going to play through the 15, 20 hour campaign thinking like, okay, you start out the game, you escape the bad guy, you join with the freedom fighters, you play through the game, you take down the bad guy in the end. 99% of people, millions of which played this game are going to think like that's the game, but only a select few people are going to realize, you know, if they're dedicated enough or if they find the secret or if they go online and research it, that like, that's not the like real story of the game. The real story of the game is like, you're kind of a piece of shit. You're not listening. You're coming into this foreign land. You're killing people. You're taking over. You're burning shit. You're causing all this chaos and destruction. And you're the fucking monster because you're not listening. You're coming in to this foreign territory and you're assuming. And I just think that's such a, it's an amazingly cool way for a video game to take the unique advantages of video games and apply it to storytelling. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is like my favorite kind of thing in video games where it's like, this is something a movie can't do. A book can't do. Like how, how does a movie or a book mind fuck you in this way? Because it's not like you can watch a movie and be like, Oh, I totally forgot. You're supposed to go back to the DVD settings, go into special features. And there you'll find the true ending of the movie. It's like, no, that's not how this works. It's like you can play the game the way you think you're supposed to play the game, which is how most people will play it. Or you can actually heed the warnings of the guy at the beginning of the game, listen to him, stay put, don't touch the controller, don't pick up the gun, don't start shooting guys, and you get the true ending of the game. Like, the true ending of the game is literally, like, you start the game out, you get to the guy's house, and you just don't touch the controller for five minutes. The whole game is, like, 15, 20 minutes long. It's amazing. But that's not the way most people play. You're gonna you're gonna pick up the gun and shoot the guy and escape and unfold the events of the story and, and do exactly what 
the this the writers and, and the creators of the game intended for people to do. And I just think that's one of the most ingenious things ever done in a video game. And I still like I still get excited about it and can't get over the fact that 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 was someone's idea for a video game to be like to this day. I just think Far Cry 4 is it's crazy. And Pagan Men's also like a really formidable, like intense like character, like an antagonist or villain, if you will. He's he's a really cool guy. Like he's a perfect character. And I, I just think again, the setting is fucking beautiful. The DLC with the Yetis is super cool. And there's also this soft spot in my heart because that game came out around the same time that I finally got old enough to start like making trips down to Disney World. So like I associate, you know, that game's Napoleon setting, like the Himalayas and Everest and Yetis with like around the time of my life, I started going regularly to Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park, which is one of my favorite theme parks, favorite places in the world, which also has an Asian section of the theme park that's themed to like Nepal, the Himalaya mountains, uh, Everest, or sorry, Nepal, the uh, Everest and like Yetis and all that stuff. They have, you know, the, the famous roller coaster there, Expedition Everest, which is a ride through the Himalaya mountains where you encounter a Yeti. So it's, it's just kind of perfect timing because the combination of like me going to Animal Kingdom and experiencing all that stuff paired with the release of that game. I just always remember the two so fondly that it really like heightens my love of the game, which, you know, as, as you just heard, I already loved otherwise. So Far Cry 4 is just a really special game. And uh, I, it's definitely the one that got me into the Far Cry series. And uh, it's, it's a hard one to beat. So definitely one of my absolute favorite gaming experiences this generation. And then my last two, we'll try to go a little faster. I'm, I'm, I'm really self-indulgent here, or self-indulging here. But my second one is Destiny, uh, 2014 Destiny 1. Now, Destiny 1 is, like, objectively worse than Destiny 2. Like, Destiny 2 is a better game. But Destiny, again, this a lot of this list is, like, my memories and my associations with these games. Destiny 1 was the first time. I feel like Destiny it is... It was the first, like, big, like, wow, this is a next-gen game for Xbox One and PS4. And, you know, I, I told you this was the other one. This and Red Dead Redemption 2. I think, you know, for better or for worse, Destiny and the kind of shared world looter-shooter kind of genre, genre was really kicked off by this game. Although some would say maybe, you know, Borderlands. But, um, I don't know. To me, Destiny's a really special game. I remember getting the game and being, like, shit my pants excited because I love Bungie so much. And, and kind of being right there along with everyone else when, when I finally played the game, just like, I'm having such a hard time understanding what this game is. The story is like shitty and non-existent. The game is just kind of a mess. I don't really know how I'm supposed to play it, what I'm supposed to do, um, but it looks pretty and the gunplay is really fun. And that was kind of like everyone's reaction to Destiny. It was definitely mine. And so I played maybe only like 20 hours of Destiny when it first came out. But I remember it being like, you know, one of the, probably like the first like massive launch of the Xbox One, you know, outside of Titanfall, Destiny One was like the first, wow, this is a massive game. I can't believe Destiny's out, you know, but I remember, you know, after some time went by, once the DLC started coming out, and then especially once it got to its one year anniversary and Taking King came out, I kind of started going back more and more to it and slowly kind of getting an idea of like, oh, okay, this is what Destiny's supposed to be. So, the you know, the longer Destiny went on, the more I played it. I still to this day am convinced, you know, I'm, I'm getting such a gimped Destiny experience. Between Destiny 1 and 2, and I have Destiny 1 on PlayStation 4 and Xbox, so between... Destiny on Xbox and PlayStation and Destiny 2, I've probably put hundreds of hours into this franchise, this generation, and the funniest thing is, like, I still have never gotten the full experience because I've never had a fire team to play with, 
And so I've never done like Trials of Osiris, except one time. I played with some coworkers and did it one time. I've never done a raid. I almost did a raid once, but I've never done a raid. And I understand that's like, you know, the best part of Destiny. But I just never had the full Destiny experience. I've never had friends who want to like join up and get in the fire team and go play Destiny. And I'm not saying to be like, oh, woe is me. You know, I don't have friends. Like, I, I'm saying it to say, like, what a testament to Destiny, because the game is so obviously meant to be played with friends that I get such a kick out of this game by myself because I've played, I just put so much time into this game across multiple platforms and across b both uh, versions of the game. And I just, I just can't get enough. I've bought every DLC pack. I can't wait for Beyond Light. I just really love Destiny. I mean, you guys know that. Like every every month or two, I'll be like, oh, here's what I've been playing. I've been playing Destiny. I fell down the rabbit hole again, loving Destiny. It's a great game. It's just one of those games. It's so easy to come back to. It's so fun to like just jump in and be like, oh, kind of what's happening here on Destiny? Like, oh, I want to get this armor set, get my light level up a little bit, play some Crucible, do some strike missions, play some new content. And then you just kind of do that for a week or two. You get kind of leveled up and geared up again. And you're like, ah, oh, I like my character. I'm happy with this. And then you just put it away for a few more months and and kind of wait for more content to come out so you can kind of do it all over again. And that's kind of what Destiny is for me, and I, I just really love the game for that, and I've really enjoyed enjoyed it just so very much. So I don't know. It's one of, when I think back on, like, the legacy of the Xbox One, Destiny 1, especially just because it was so defining for the first half of the generation, is just right up there with, like, one of the games that's, like, that's, I know it had the marketing tie with PlayStation, but, you know, I didn't play it on PlayStation at first. I played it on Xbox at first. And so to me, it's like that's that's just one of the definitive Xbox One experiences for me was playing Destiny. So definitely got to put that at the number two spot. And, and, and just, you know, as an aside, you know, Destiny has its issues and a lot of it's been resolved since Destiny 2. But like the gunplay is phenomenal and the art design, like the art for that game is so stunning. There's no game that looks like Destiny. It's just some of the most stunning worlds I've ever seen. It's so like distinctively and authentically Bungie. And it's just, I don't know, man, like I'll always love Halo more than destiny, but like there's something about destiny where it's like, that's such a Bungie game. And I, 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 I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually so happy because I know most people would prefer like a world where like Bungie goes back to making Halo or something. But like, to me, I love Halo in the hands of three, four, three. And I love destiny so much that like, I'm so happy that we have, Bungie out there making Destiny and 343 doing Halo because to me like I just win both ways I'm just so happy with all these games um but yeah I don't, I don't know I just I love I love Destiny so much it's 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 no Halo but it's a it's a great like you know game to have in the mix of like of like usual games go-to games um and then my number one I won't go on this one too much because I think most of you're going to roll your eyes so hard when you hear it. But my personal number one favorite third-party multi-platform game for the Xbox One is 2015's Disney Infinity 3.0. So, I mean, Disney Infinity will always have just such a magical place in my heart. Like, not like Disney magical, like magical as in like just so special to me. Um, I tried so hard to understand Disney Infinity for the first two games. And it took me until the third one to like really get what made that so special. But it was only kind of like once it was too late that I finally like really got into the Disney Infinity community and saw like the kinds of things people were building and how engaged Avalanche Software, the studio that makes the game, was with the community. They had like weekly updates. They were always doing contests. And, you know, like just as a fan of like kids, like fun platforming games, Disney Infinity was great in its own right. And then as a fan of someone who likes kind of like 
kid like kidsy toy to life kind of shit it was also fun and then as someone who likes the figures because they were really fun to collect and i like the art style it was also really good but on top of all of that you know it was disney and I, I love disney so it was so cool that i was like you mean i can play as like spider-man iron man luke skywalker and mickey mouse uh, versus fucking captain jack sparrow and sully from monsters inc and and uh a fucking Mulan, like, I can have all these guys beat the shit out of each other, like, while riding on the back of Aladdin's magic carpet, it's like, yes, please, so, I, I don't, Disney Infinity 3.0 is just such a special game, I love, like, the different facets of what the game could be, you could, you could buy the Star Wars playset, and then it was, like, a fun, all ages, like, kind of, like, Lego style, um, Star Wars game, um, or then you could, like, plug in the Finding Dory one, and all of a sudden, it was, like, a fun 2D platformer game, or you could put the Inside Out playset on, and that was like a Super Mario Galaxy little knockoff. Or you could put on like the um, like the Cars playset, and now it was like a racing game. Or you could put on the Toy Box Takeover, and now it was like a dungeon crawler Diablo game. Or you can go the Toy Box mode and just create shit like Minecraft. And people made some really crazy shit in Disney Infinity. Like there's just so many cool worlds and games I've downloaded, and it's just I, I'll be honest with you, it's it's hard for me to articulate as much now as it was then, but like in 2016 when Disney announced that they were canceling Disney Infinity and, and getting rid of Avalanche Software, like that like genuinely broke my heart. Like that was hard news for me to cope with for a very long time. Like I, at the time I was, I was writing for a Disney blog. I was writing for, for writing for this Disney website. And for so long, like I was just like always ca- covering that game. Like, Oh, this canceled uh concept artwork for the next entry in the series leaks. And Oh man, this guy who worked on the game released this statement about it. And he released, Oh man, there's this video of like pre-rendered footage of like what a cut scene from the next game would have looked like. And Oh man, they were making a playset for Moana when that movie was coming out, but then it got canceled because the game got canceled. And I was just like, constantly that was like my beat was like covering disney infinity canceled news and like they they, they used to like kind of like make fun of me a little bit at the at the website they were just like oh yeah that's like your thing is like you're the guy who finds all the disney infinity news like like to this day actually like a lot of if you go online and look up a lot of news about disney infinity post the game's cancellation a lot of the stories that exist out there about this game were like written by written by me like i, I put out so much information about this game because i was just so passionate about it I just loved it so fucking much and it was one of those things where like it was too little too late where like only towards the last like five or six months of the game's existence did I really understand the full potential of what the game was and kind of embrace the community aspect of it and then it was gone by the time I was like finally getting all into it full swing so such a heartbreaking moment for me but um Disney Infinity is a game I will always love and always remember and I still have all the figures up on my shelf and I still play the game from time to time yeah just one one of my all-time favorite gaming memories and what a shame it's gone now but those are my top five favorite third-party games wow I really made this all about me huh and now let's let's jump into yours you guys commented in with your top five lists let's let's now read through your list and not give you nearly as much time as I gave myself because I'm just so conceited like that. But Jay Jay writes in and says, Hey man, my top five favorite non-exclusive titles for the console generation are as follows. Number five, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Number four, Wolfenstein the New Order. Hey, I got you there. Number three, Titanfall 2. Number two, The Division. And number three, The Witcher 3. That's a great list. I think it's kind of funny just because like I, I have Titanfall 1 on my exclusive list, so I didn't put Titanfall 2 on the multi-plat list. And then we both have Wolfenstein the New Order on our list. But other than that, it's like it's just so interesting to see like how different our lists are going to be because like 
Witcher 3 and Division 2 are like games I didn't even play. So I think it's really cool to just like see, you know, what kind of other, you know, we're, we're all, we all have this commonality because we're all Xbox fans, but it's cool to see like the games we're, we're all playing the same platform, the same hardware, but we're all playing different games. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, in what ways we're enjoying and taking advantage of this platform we all share and love. So that's a, that's a cool list. I, I've kind of always wanted to try the division, but it's just one of those games I've never gotten around to. And the Witcher 3, it's just too late now. There's no way I'm getting to it. But I'm definitely playing Cyberpunk, so I'll, I'll, I'll see what CD Projekt Red's all about soon enough. Thanks for riding in with that, Jay. Count Scottula comes in and says, Hey, I had a baby this week, so I had to skim the episode, unfortunately. First of all, Count Scottula, congratulations to you and your family. I'm super happy for you. Uh, I hope your baby is you know super healthy and, and doing well, and I hope your family is just really like just as happy as can be and feeling super blessed to have this child enter your family. So first of all, you, you don't have to listen to the episode at all. You know, you, your life's crazy right now. You just brought a baby into this world. You got a lot going on. So I appreciate you giving this show anytime whatsoever, but congrats to you and your family. And I, I hope your baby is happy, healthy, safe, and that you guys uh, are just, you know, your world is forever turned infinitely better than it ever was now. So that's, that's, that's awesome. And congratulations to you, to you, um, dude. Um, now you, as for your top five list, you, you wrote in here, let's, uh, start with your number five and count down. You say your number five is doom eternal, which I'm currently actually working through your number four is Titanfall two. So we've seen that show up twice now. Number three is call of duty Warzone, So not a, the actual like modern warfare game, but like the Warzone battle Royale mode. Number two is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remake. Great choice. And number one is Rocket League. So that's a really interesting list just because three of those five games are games that have come out this year alone. So a lot of recent ones. And then I think Rocket League is a great one. Rocket League on your list kind of reminds me of Destiny on my list in that it it's one of those games that kind of define the generation. This is a generation that's very much defined by like games as a service or like looter shooters and things like that. And Rocket League is just one of those games where it's like it was super big early on in the generation and just stayed big all throughout. It's like Fortnite or Counter-Strike or uh, not Counter-Strike. Um, what's the one kids like with the jack off guys and the gorilla and the girl with the chicken egg uh, Overwatch. So it, it, it just reminds me of like one of those kinds of games. So. It's a uh, it's a good pick. It's I'm, I'm sure Rocket League is one of those perfect games to like just kind of jump in and out of from time to time. I've played a little bit of Rocket League. I I enjoy it quite a bit. I just for whatever reason it's just hard for me to get around to. But that's a it's a solid list, especially with Tony Hawk and Doom and Titanfall. Can't go wrong there for sure, dude. Uh, next up, Eric Matheson wrote wrote in and said, "Hey, I got my top five third party games here." Um, and you put them in the perfect order, where you put number five first and number one last instead of the other way around so I don't got to read your list backwards you guys you you say kind sir you say your number five one is dead rising four wolfenstein two which is the new colossus three you put doom 2016 for two you put far cry five and for one you put dying light so those are some interesting titles first of all shout out to you all oh i guess dead rising four isn't otherwise all first person game all first person like m-rated games I guess Dead Rising 4 is a third-person game, but Dead Rising, I didn't play any of the ones this generation. I only played 1 and 2 last generation, but uh, what happened to that? I don't really understand what happened to that that franchise, but that's a good one there. Wolfenstein 2 is a pretty solid game. Doom 2016, another solid game. I, I'm not done with Doom Eternal yet, but I'm, I'm kind of getting really tired of it. I feel like the game is overstaying its welcome. I'm, I'm almost there where I agree with you. I think maybe Doom 2016 was better than Doom Eternal. I don't know. Doom Eternal is like really great. I just think it's too long. 
Now, Far Cry 5, another great choice. Uh, I enjoyed that game a lot, but I'll definitely take 4 over it any day. And then Dying Light is a really good one there. I I, I totally forgot about Dying Light. That's a game I enjoyed the hell out of, and I uh, cannot wait for that second one to come out, if it ever actually comes out, but solid choice there. That's a, that, that's a game that had no right being any good, especially because it was made by the guys that made Dead Island, which I fucking hate. But yeah, Dying Light was a really good game, and I, I'm excited to play the uh, sequel whenever we do get that. Uh, you say also honorable mention, if I may, Rocket League, because that game is way too much fun uh, when I'm too high to play anything else. That's fucking funny. So <laughs> there you go. I, I see what I mean. Rocket League is one of those games. It's like a it's like a generation defining game, but it, it is it, it does kind of strike me as a good like chill out game. So that's a pretty good point there. Amen, sir. And then lastly, my brother wrote in with his top five list. He says, this list is way easier than the exclusives list that we did. Number five, Risk of Rain 2. Number four, Shadow of Mordor. Number three, Resident Evil 2, which is the remake, obviously. Number two, Doom Eternal. And number one, Dark Souls 2, Scholar of the First Sin Edition. Honorable mention, Hunt Showdown. Well, little brother, I got to be honest with you. That's the fucking nerdiest list I've ever heard. But good for you. You're entitled to your your list. Now, I know I know my brother's a massive Dark Souls fan, but particularly he loves Dark Souls 2, which I know he's like really passionate about the environmental storytelling in that game and kind of how it's like secretly the best Dark Souls game even though people don't regard it as the best because it's it was the one made by like the B team at From Software, I believe. But yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a solid list. Doom Eternal. You seem to really like that. Resident Evil 2 Remake. I played Resident Evil 3 Remake. I thought that was pretty good. Never played Risk of Rain, Shadow of Mordor, or Hunt Showdown, but thank you for sharing your list nonetheless. And thank you to all who wrote in with their comments this week and their lists and everything. I had a lot of fun doing that. I just thought it'd be like a fun way to just uh, reflect a little more on the Xbox One before next week happens, and then we're all too busy with our sexy Xbox Series Xs or our RTX graphics cards or whatever the fuck they are or the AMD Ryzen 3070s, whatever you call them, you fucking nerds. So yeah, that's a uh, exciting shit, man. So that's going to do it for all of everything this week. Uh, of course we do always have our little closing segments here where we got new games coming out this week on the Xbox platform. Guys, there are 17 new titles coming out this week, according to Xbox wire. So we'll quickly just kind of jump through those. We got auto, Autobahn Police Simulator 2 coming out November 4th, which is a game where you drive on a very fast highway as the police. I don't know how the fuck you catch anyone on the Autobahn because people go nuts on that road, on that highway. That's the whole point of it. Next, on November 4th, you got Ord, which looks like literally just a black and white screen with text, so that looks like a pretty boring game. There's no graphics. Switch and Shoot comes out November 4th, which actually looks pretty damn cool. It looks like it's an old arcade shooter. Uh, looking game, which uh, looks really fun. I, I actually might give that a try. Comanche, Comash, some fucking European shit. Coming to PC and, and Game Pass uh, on November 5th. It looks like the helicopters from Gears of War meet the setting and the scenery and the vistas of Far Cry in this epic game where you play as the escape crew. You ever know, like, you ever think about, like, those arcade shooters or, like, or like Gears of War or just like first person action games or just like gory like bro shooter games where it's like there's always that level or two where like the objective at the end of the level is to like escape in the chopper and it's like okay so like yeah we got we completed the objective all right get to the chopper go 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 and the level ends when you get in the chopper and like the kind of ending cutscene is like the chopper door closing and then flying away as like the city blows up or the zombies get stranded or whatever you know you see that that scene so many times in video games so this is a game 
about playing as the pilot of that helicopter, of that chopper, but only in the context of the end of the level. So think of, for example, like the end of a level in Gears of War where you get to the chopper and you escape. Well, instead of playing the whole level where you fight all the all the all the bad guys, then you get to the end of the level and you escape in the chopper. In this game, you just play the end where you just wait in the chopper for the guys to get in and then you take off and then the level ends. So literally all you do is just sit there on a platform waiting for the other guys to come in and then you take off and the level's over. So think of like at the end of like a Left 4 Dead level where like, oh, get to the chopper. You get to the end, you jump in the chopper and then the level's over. Again, same concept. You don't play as the survivors fending off the hordes of zombies. You just play as the guy sitting in the chopper waiting for these survivors to get in their chopper and then fly away. And that's the game. It's pretty boring, but hey, everyone's got a job to do and not all of them are glamorous. So that's that's what this game's about. Now, Gray Skies, A War of the World Story is an Xbox One X enhanced game coming out November 5th. Judging by the screenshot, that's actually pretty cool and I might have to look into this. It looks very, uh, obviously it is very H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds inspired for some reason and I would like to learn more about that actually. Next, we got Knights and Bikes coming to console, PC, and Game Pass on November 5th. Looks kind of like a knockoff to Costume Quest, but not really. Yes, Tomorrow comes out November 5th. It's a game where you play as an old grandmother getting in a hot, a steampunk hot air balloon that is taking off into the sky. God damn it, this grandmother is way too old. Why the fuck is she flying so high in the sky all by herself? Next, we've got Crystal Ortha, which is an Xbox Play Anywhere game. It looks very anime, it looks very Japanese, it looks very pixelated. So you guys know that's probably just some malware. It's probably going to give your Xbox Series X uh, some COVID, or maybe it's going to make it run at only 60 FPS. You don't want to don't want to be putting that shit in there dark sauce is this game where you play as a little minecraft looking pig and i guess it's a 2d uh side scroller 2.5d i should say next we got dead dungeon which is like one of those super meat boy clones dirt 5 comes out on november 6th now that is a game that's obviously on xbox one but it's also optimized for xbox series x and s so it's going to be one of those fun, like, technical show-off games for the Xbox Series consoles next week. So be sure to download that one, of course, if you're interested in taking a ride, bitches. And then you got uh, Memoranda coming November 6th. This looks mildly interesting. It looks like a bunch of pop art people sitting in a cafe drinking coffee. They're probably all just talking about how miserable their lives are, even though their lives aren't that bad. They're just marginally worse than uh, pretty wealthy people because most people... In the modern, uh, in the, in the modern industrial world, just uh, just like to bitch and moan about a lot of things that aren't that big a deal. So I assume this is a game about drinking coffee and complaining with friends. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered is coming November six, and goddamn, that's a pretty screenshot. But yeah, if you want to play yet another game this week where you play as police, speed chasing other speedy boys, that's another option for you. And then my favorite game of the week. Paw Patrol Mighty Pups Save Adventure Bay comes out November 6th. I honestly, this might be my like launch Xbox Series X game. This might be the game I play to show off the power of the Series X Paw Patrol Mighty Pups Save Adventure Bay. I'm not being sarcastic or facetious here. Like, this is a badass game. Um, and, and Paris per, Persephone comes to xbox one on november 6th it is one of those iphone games and then red rope don't fall behind is one of those nes games that comes out november 6th and then speed 3 grand prix is one of those many racing games coming out this week if for whatever reason you don't decide to play need for speed or dirt you can play that instead 
That's going to do it for all of our new games of the week, guys. I appreciate you sticking through. Hey, it's a new it's a new month. It's November. So that, so that means new games with gold. And Microsoft has promised $85 in value with over 300 gamer score uh, from these four new titles, of which are uh, Aragami Shadow Edition, which is available now through the 30th uh, on Xbox One. Uh, Swim Sanity, which is available on Xbox One uh, beginning November 16th through December 15th. You can download that one. And then for an Xbox original game, we got Full Spectrum Warrior, which is a throwback. I, I, I might have to give that one a try, um, which is available now through December f- through November 15th. And then the last one is, I, I played this one back in the day. This actually came with my Xbox 360, but Lego Indiana Jones. It's available for the latter half of November from the 16th to the 30th. So that's a pretty, pretty nice old throwback that came with my Xbox 360 Elite when I bought it. So that's kind of a a good, uh, 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 a nostalgic one for me, but yeah, download all those games. If you want gamer score and free games and shit to play for free. So that's going to do it for our episode this week, guys. I appreciate you letting me get a little offensive and political at the beginning there. I, I hope you, I hope no one took serious offense to that. If you, if any of you actually listened to this week's show or didn't get turned off enough by that to, you know, to make it to the end, whatever, I'd just like to say the, the point I'm trying to make here politically is just that like, Let's let's stop being dickheads to one another. Like everyone in politics sucks. And so by voting at all, we're just kind of enabling really awful people. So let's stop taking that out on each other, the voters, and maybe take that out on politicians instead since they're the uh shitheads that keep fucking up the world. So I don't know, man. I'm just all, all I'm trying to say is let's uh let's have a good week. Let's stop thinking about about politics altogether. Let's try to remember how great Halloween was. And most importantly, next week, Tuesday, November 10th, don't forget to vote. Green, green, green. We cannot let blue win this 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 generation. PlayStation is coming. It's coming strong. It's objectively a worse console, but it's still projected to do better. We cannot let this happen, guys. Go ahead. Get out there. Buy Xbox Series X. Buy Xbox Series S. And please do not let PlayStation 5 win. We cannot afford. This is the most important console generation of our lives. Everything matters. You don't have to vote for who I'm... You, uh, you, uh, remember, a vote for... A vote for PC is a vote for PlayStation. A vote for Switch is a vote for PlayStation. You must buy Xbox or bye-bye. So power your dreams, bitches, and we'll see you next week. Uh, Thank you so much.